This is Big Talk. Michael Glab here, coming to you once again from my garage office studio and via Zoom. My guest, a big favorite of this program, we've had her on before, Nancy Hiller. Nancy, hi, thanks for coming on Big Talk. Hi, Mike. I'm coming to you from my kitchen. Kitchen, I might think that you did a lot of work with wood in that kitchen yeah it's all the cabinets are wood but the cabinets have been through a couple of iterations when the house was new i just built basic just open boxes really for cabinets because i didn't have the time to build the doors or drawers and then a little while later when i had an employee i paid him Hold on, losing you a little. That's not good. Okay, uh, for the listeners, uh, we are on Zoom, and because Zoom is dependent on the internet, and the internet is about as dependable as, oh, I don't know what, we're cutting in and out with Nancy, so if that's what you hear, that's why. Nancy, the reason I asked you about your kitchen and the cabinets therein is because you are a woodworker, a cabinet maker, most importantly. You make your living doing that and have been doing it for how long now? I got my first job as a woodworker in 1980, so uh, when I was 21. So it's been the majority of my career. But you know, also, you're an author, and I've got to know this. First off, your brand new book, published by Lost Art Press, it's called Kitchen Think, A Guide to Design and Construction for Refurbishing to Renovation. It has just hit the bookstore shelves within the last couple of days. It's out now. You're an author. You're also a cabinet maker. Which would you prefer to be? If forced to make a choice? I would prefer not to make a choice <laughs> <laughs> because they reinforce each other as when you build furniture and cabinetry for a living, you spend a lot of time working with mute material and you have a lot of time with your own thoughts. And, and that was really what got me started in writing. You have uh, written any number of books. I'm going to pull out my list here. Boy, your uh, literary career goes back to 2009 when you came out with The Hoosier Cabinet in Kitchen History. That was a gorgeous book, too, by the way, Nancy. Well, yes, thank you. That was done by the IU Press. Um, my client and now friend, Lee Sandois, was the acquiring book acquiring editor at the very beginning of that project, and she asked if I would write a book about Hoosier cabinets for the IU Press, and then she left the press shortly after that project started, and Linda O'Black became 
the editor with whom I worked on that book. And yeah, that book took quite a while and was the first book I had written. Two years later, you came out with A Home of Her Own, which was a fabulous project that you did with a photographer. You'll tell us who he is. But A Home of Her Own, uh, to my recollection, was a book about women who bought homes and really worked to make them what they wanted to be. Yeah. Um, the photographer is Kendall Reeves, who is right. still my principal photographer when I have professional work done. But that book was really, it was something I had wanted to write for several years before I had an opportunity to write it because I had lived alone in my house on South Rogers Street for several years and been struck by the degree to which the house itself became a kind of partner to me and how it fulfilled many of the typical roles that we associate with a partner, a human partner. And in conversations with other women friends and especially women who were living alone, I found that this is actually a pretty common kind of relationship between women and houses and men too sometimes, and of course couples. But I was particularly interested in the women living without a partner side of things. And so I knew a number of women who fell into that sort of group and had made really lovely homes. So fortunately, most of them agreed to participate in that book project. Then one person would lead me to another person. And so we got some other houses and people who were farther away. But I didn't want it to be a sort of a super classist kind of project. I didn't want it to disregard people who are very firmly attached to their homes but don't live in a regular kind of typical house right and so i made a point of including mary agnes connard a woman in her 90s whose history in bloomington goes way way back in to the early 20th century and at the time she lived in a house trailer on a farm field in the western, southwestern part of Monroe County. So it gave me enormous delight to include a house trailer in that book. You know, yeah. I just have no interest in, in like lifestyles of the rich and famous or <laughs> celebrities kind of thing. There's something very alluring about living alone in your own home and feeling good about it. I've done it several times. You have, uh, I'm sure, too. There's something beautiful about it. You get to know yourself. Yeah, you do. I think for me, I always wanted a partner. And so I really forced myself to 
I hate to use the metaphor explore, but to explore what I was getting from the house and the garden that I would otherwise have been getting from and with a relationship with a partner. And that was very interesting. And it certainly gave me, because I, I mean, I couldn't deny thinking about it at the time. I couldn't deny that the garden in particular gave me enormous joy. And for example, well, I would sit on my front porch on Rogers Street and there was a constant flow of stop and go traffic because there's a four-way stop at the corner right there. So it's not as if it was, you know, some idyllic pastoral setting or anything, but to me it felt totally heavenly because I had planted a garden with little tree and a couple of trees and shrubs and flowers in front and hung up a couple of old porch blinds, I don't know what to call them, that I had bought at a secondhand store. And so the front porch, which was up three or four steps from the sidewalk, just felt like its own little place, you know, more than just a porch. It was like a room. And so I just started analyzing what was giving me so much pleasure about all these different aspects of that place and being there alone and having the good fortune to savor all of those details because I was alone. Nancy, I'm going to quickly go over the rest of the uh, titles of which you are an author or an editor, as in the, the next one I'm going to mention. Historic Preservation in Indiana, Essays from the Field. You served as an editor of that book. Then, that was 2013. Then, about four years later, you came out with Making Things Work, Tales from a Cabinet Maker's Life. It's it's memoirish, but you have told me in the past that it's not really a memoir. Uh, after that, 2018, you did English Arts and Crafts Furniture, Projects and Techniques for the Modern Maker. So you, you have sort of vacillated between writing for the general public and writing for the industry. And then finally, this year, as I say, just a couple of days ago, it started shipping. Kitchen Think, a guide to design and construction for refurbishing to renovation. You know, when I look at this subtitle of this most recent book, Nancy, I almost get the feeling it might be a how-to, is it? It's not really a how-to so much. I wanted to, you know, just to return to your last point, you said something about vacillating between writing for the general public and writing for my industry. Well, the books I've done that are related to woodworking aren't really for the industry as such. The English Arts and Crafts Furniture book is very much about woodworking, but it's also about the history and culture of the arts and crafts movement and the ideals of that movement. And the characters, the people who were part of it, and the values, and and how those values and ideals um, 
I mean, implicitly how those are totally relevant to us Hmm. today still. Um, And that book, because it was for a woodworking publisher who had asked me to write it, has uh, plans for, well, drawings and instructions for building three particular pieces of furniture. There's a sideboard, a chair, and a table, all based on original arts and crafts designs and with the history of each one included in the text. But those are really for hobby woodworkers, not professional woodworkers. So because the publisher was popular woodworking books and their primary readership is um, enthusiasts, woodworking enthusiasts rather than primarily professionals. And then the current book, Kitchen Think, is really intended for a broader market than woodworkers. It does include several how-to sections. So, for example, there is a chapter going pretty much step-by-step through the technique I use to build my sort of standard built-in cabinet. And then there are also some step-by-step project instructions such as a decorative plate rack for the kitchen or how to make a linoleum countertop with a retro aluminum edge, things like that. But it really is also, as with most books I write, I didn't just want it to be a how-to book because frankly, I find those kind of boring. (laughs) So I wanted it to be about the culture of the kitchen, not the kitchen industry, but how we remodel and think about remodeling kitchens and how the remodeling of kitchens has turned into a large commercial enterprise with frequent pressure on people to update or tear out and completely redo their kitchen. And I wrote this book at the request of a publisher, one half of the partnership of which is Christopher Schwartz, who asked me to write it. And he is very much an outspoken critic of much of the excess in contemporary American and Western life. So he was very happy to have me include some critical, a little bit of critical stuff in the text about this phenomenon in the kitchen remodeling industry. He also embraced what I proposed for how to do the book. In other words, not just, okay, here's a bunch of brand new, amazing kitchens, but rather I wanted to include different sections on treating kitchens in different ways. So in some cases, such as the example using our kitchen, it was really a matter of working with what you already have and making it more practical for your use for how you live as well as more attractive to you personally. So it isn't about tearing out and replacing. It's about, in this case, refinishing the cabinets and 
modifying the interiors of some of the cabinets to make them far more serviceable than they had originally been. And then there are other examples in that section, such as one, well, there are a couple that involve kitchen refacing, so refacing the existing cabinets, but to a very high standard, not the usual, like, stick this decorative tape on and (laughs) change the doors. And then another example involves a kitchen where the original 1940s cabinets were still there and one of the homeowners had restored them beautifully. They're painted, but they wanted more cabinets. And so they hired me to build a few more sections of cabinetry based on the design of the original cabinets. So the kitchen looks of a piece, uh, but has a lot more cabinetry now. And then in addition to that, there are two other sections in the portfolio part of the book. One of them is about kitchens that really were started like from scratch. Here's how we did this. And that section has all kinds of beautiful stuff. Some of it in different parts of the country. There's Wharton Escherich's kitchen in Pennsylvania is included, and then the kitchen of Johnny and Becca Gray, Johnny Gray being a widely respected international designer who's based in England. And then the final section is on period kitchens, Um, and there's an extensive introduction to that, including a lot of suggestions for where to find resources to guide the design of a period kitchen, and then a portfolio of beautiful designs, one of which is David Berman's in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which still has its original 1917 cabinets and an old Frigidaire and an antique stove, and it's just an absolute treasure of a kitchen. I wanted, as with all of the projects I do, I was really hoping that even if a person was not thinking of redoing a kitchen, he or she could pick up the book and just really enjoy the photos. So it's 360 plus pages and it's all color photography. There are lots of luscious photos, which always make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, our guest is Nancy Hiller, cabinet maker, woodworker, author. And again, I'd like to apologize to the listeners. We're doing our best to give you good audio, but we're uh, tilting against the windmill that is indeed the internet right now because we're doing this via Zoom. The new book is called Kitchen Think, A Guide to Design and Construction for Refurbishing to Renovation. Author Nancy Hiller, that's who our guest is this week. Nancy, there's a fantastic gorgeous photo on the cover of that book of a kitchen that has just beautiful warm wood and then it has this old-fashioned but brand new glazed white tile it's so simple but the light coming in is beautiful and perfect what a fabulous photo that is and what fun it must be to look at that and say I did that 
Well, um, yes, I designed the cabinets in discussion with the homeowner. Whenever I'm doing design, it isn't just me. I always am working with and for the homeowner. So in that case, it took a few different ideas. But when I showed her the inspiration that turned out to be what she loved, which is the cabinets that English architect CFA Voise had designed for a great house called the Homestead in England. She really loved the look. And so that was our inspiration for those cabinets. And then the other person, two other people were super um, involved with the cabinets and counter, um, Daniel O'Grady, who was my employee at the time, built the cabinets, and then we installed them together. And Tom Stocker, who I think is now retired, did the tile work for the counters and the wall tile. And then subsequently, several years later, my husband, Mark Longacre, worked with the homeowner to make the ceiling look good. She had wanted to tear out the plaster ceiling, which was sort of uneven. And uh, anyway, she had some particular ideas for how she wanted the woodwork to look. And so he and his employees worked with her to get it to a pleasing state for her. Uh But I did take that photo i am happy to say you took it yeah no i took most of the photos in the book because that's the deal with lost our press uh-huh. i mean i don't have a budget unfortunately to pay kendall to take all the photos i would love that but i don't so um chris again half of the publishing partnership at lost art press and also an editor the main editor there. Chris drove up from Covington, Kentucky a couple of years ago and gave me a couple of hours of instruction on how to use the camera to get the kinds of files he wanted and stuff like that. I make no claim to being a decent or even half decent photographer, (laughs) but that one came out nicely because it's just a pretty kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) The subject matter made the photo. (laughs) Nancy, we've had you on the show in the past. I love having you on the show and I love some of your quotes. Here's one from you. If you want to do something, you do it. Boy, oh boy, that is a Nancy Hiller quote, if I've ever heard one. Where was that? You, when you were interviewed by me the last time <laughs> on this program. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, one can't always just do what one wants, obviously. But uh, So I don't remember what the context was, but... Um, Nancy, I think the context was, is back when you were a young punk kid in England and you Uh, were living with your boyfriend and you didn't have a a dime between the two of you, you started making your own furniture. Right, right. That makes sense. That's how you got into this business from the get-go. Right, right. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, so yeah, I used what I had access to. (laughs) Which so that's true. 
which was a bunch of junk lying around, right? Right, exactly. And maybe a hammer and uh, not much else, some kind of a saw that I couldn't even tell you what it was, nor could I, I'm sure I didn't have any idea how to use it, but I guess, uh. you know, you know that if you go back and forth with a saw, it eventually cuts the wood, so. <laughs> <laughs> One of the beautiful things about your life is that after you took training to work with Wood over at the City and Guilds of London Institute, which I suppose is like the equivalent of London's city colleges or junior college system here, no? Not really. It's a um, City and Guilds of London is a certifying body for vocational schools. It's ah, nowhere near as illustrious as your take on it made it sound. So, for example, they certify food preparation trades, carpentry uh -huh. and joinery, bricklaying, all kinds of stuff. The coursework I did was in furniture, traditional furniture making. Let's not sell that stuff short, because I think we could do with a good dose of teaching young people how to work with their hands here in the United States. Well, of course, and there are all kinds of trades that need work. Uh, it's part of the problem is the economics of it, and part of the problem is just the sort of social esteem in which we hold trades and other non-white collar work. So, for example, I mean, you could easily solve the current unemployment crisis if there were some way to come up with the money to uh, pay teachers <laughs> to teach people. And, I mean, we need more teachers. We need yeah. more teachers. We need teachers to be paid well, you know. Right. We need more medical care. <laughs> We do. I mean, not that we need individually more medical care, but, you know, you can wait weeks or months to see a right. doctor. So something's not right. There's so much that we need. I mean, we need more people growing food sustainably. But again, it comes down to what do people think it's worth spending money on and how much money do people have to spend on those things? Leading into this, I was getting at uh, one of your first jobs right out of getting certified uh, as a person who works with wood and cabinets and furniture. You worked at the Imperial War Museum as a carpenter. And uh, for listeners, you can go back in our archive on the WFHB website and look for the previous Nancy Hiller interview and get some fabulous stories about what happened to you at the uh, Imperial War Museum. Nancy, the new book, uh, which you know already and we want the listeners to know now, Kitchen Think, the author Nancy Hiller, the woodworker, cabinet maker, and author. Kitchen Think, a guide to design and construction for refurbishing to renovation. Don't let that subtitle fool you. This is a gorgeous book something that anybody would enjoy. Nancy, thank you so much for being on Big Talk. Oh, thank you, Mike. Mm -hmm.